Today, we are talking about a series called The Jesus Way. Now, if you guys have been with us for the last couple, couple of months, we started out the, the year by going through Scripture together, just trying to go from Genesis to Revelation, get the scope of what was in Scripture. And now we're kind of dialing back a little bit and focusing specifically on some of what Jesus told us in the red letters that we find in the Gospel. So that's the um, uh, topic that we've been going over the last couple of weeks is the Jesus way. Now, something that Dan shared with us that I'm stealing because I really liked it was we start the Jesus way of life when we repent, when we turn from our way, and then we start following Jesus' Jesus's example. Because in Scripture, it says that Jesus is our example, that we should follow in his ways, that we should walk by his spirit. And so that's something that is a daily choice. It's not, it's not a one-and-done sort of a thing. We, every day, must choose to turn from our way of how we would do it or how culture would do it, how the world would do it, and to follow Jesus' way. Some of the things we've already talked about in this series is we are free from boredom, full of adventure, free from anger, full of peace, free from deception, full of honesty. If any of those are intriguing and you missed them, feel free to go onto our website, bariancenter.church, and you can listen to some of those past messages. Today, we're going to continue by talking about how we can be free from greed and full of generosity. One of the things that we have heard probably more than once, is, G is the quote from Jesus that says that it is more blessed to, re to receive than to give. Now, this is found in Acts 20. It's not actually in the Gospels, but these are the, the words of Jesus, that it's more blessed to give than to receive, okay? And so what I want to do is I want to dig down a little deeper into what this actually means. Now, I'll give you a little note to prepare you. I will ask you guys to ponder some questions. So I want you to go ahead and get like a pencil out or pen with paper, maybe even pull out your phone and just you know, do something electronically, because I want you to be able to, to, later on in the week, go back to some of your own thoughts and contemplate this topic using your own thoughts, because you may not remember mine, and I'm not offended by that, okay? But get something out to be, be prepared to answer a few questions. I'll give you like 30 seconds to think about each one, okay? But first, I want to I talk to you about a lesson I learned from a child. So I have nephews, and from time to time, I watch them. And in this particular instant, when I was watching my nephews, uh, they were fighting, the siblings were fighting amongst themselves, and I heard this phrase come out of one of their mouths. I will never play with you again! Maybe, that's true, I doubt it, but I, that's not something I wanted to let slide, so I took them to the side and I said, all right, let's talk about this. Why is what you said, why does that show me an ugly heart? It took him a long time to think about that. And again, being younger, he didn't quite have all the words. The, the deepest he could, go, he could get with that question is, well, it's sin. Okay, that's good. But why is it sin? And in the same way, I want us to think more deeply about greed. It'd be easy for us to say, well, why is greed wrong? Well, because it's sin. Okay. But why is it sin? Why does greed show us an ugly heart? So here's my first question. Get ready to, to think and write down your thoughts. What fuels greed? So I'm going to pause for 15, 30 seconds. I want you to write down some thoughts, okay? I want you to search your heart, search your knowledge of Scripture, see what you can come up with. What fuels greed?
shame. What fuels greed? So I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts, but I want you to, to see, you know, compare, like, what, what, did, what did you come up with? What did I come up with? Because I'm not going to have all the answers. That's the, the joy of doing this together, is that you guys may have come up with things that I didn't think of. So I want you guys to have that in your heads and written down, so as you think about this message, maybe later on in the week, you can think through your own thoughts. What, what did you come up with? Okay? So here are some of the things that, that I thought through. What fuels greed? Desire. You see, at the root of all temptation and sin is desire. Now, that's not to say that desire in and of itself is easy. It's not wrong to want things. But when Satan tempts us with something, usually he goes, you want this, don't you? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Greed is one of those things. It, you have a desire for something. Okay. And that fuels into greed. James says, you desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. Now, I hope no one in this room has killed anybody over something you didn't get. But a lot of the times, we do quarrel and fight over things. If you think from a young age, it begins. Like, you have something, you want it, your siblings got it, I want it, give it to me. And then a fight starts, okay? In the same way, when we get older, some of those things still are in place. As a financial advisor, one of the ways that we see it is, is in the realm of inheritance. When someone dies and they pass money on, there's sometimes a fight between siblings that tears the family apart, okay? That desire fuels greed. We well, need to be careful about that. Selfishness. You know, you hear the phrase, it's not fair, I should have it. Selfishness is I come first. My wants and desires come first. And this leads into a sense of entitlement. Now, if you're a young person in this room, I just want to warn you, because I see this rampant in our culture, my generation and younger, this sense of I have a right to, I am entitled to. Okay? The root of that, in, some, in, in a lot of senses, is, is greed. You think you deserve something. Okay? So just be, be wary of that, because Psalm says, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Philippians says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Okay? So selfishness can fuel greed. Perspective. Perspective can fuel greed. Okay, I've got two pictures up here, okay? And we're usually trying to, in American culture, keep up with the Joneses. If your last name is Jones, I apologize, okay? But we try to keep up with the Joneses instead of realizing how good we've actually got it, okay? Now, I'm not saying that nobody's in a bad position, but what fuels greed can be our perspective of, it could be, you know, I want it to be this, I don't have it, but we all have to realize it could be worse, okay? Perspective can fuel greed inconvenience. This is one that, that it took me a while, to, and when I thought about it, I was like, is this one of them? And I was like, yes, this one is. So inconvenience fueling greed. I would be uncomfortable if I gave it up. See, we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't necessarily want to step outside of our comfort zones. And Jesus kind of, he, he tells a parable of something that's very similar to this. There was a man who at, late at night received a traveler who needed a place to stay, and he didn't have enough food to feed the individual. So he went to his neighbor, again, it's late at night, knocks on the door, hey, I've got someone, I need to give him some food, may I borrow some food so I can supply his needs? And the neighbor says this, don't bother me, the door's already locked, my children and I have gone to bed, I can't get up to give you anything. Can't or won't. Sometimes inconvenience fuels greed. And then possession. Now, no, not possessions, but possession. Control over something. 
it's mine for you, Lord of the Rings lover, my precious, okay? <laughs> to have possession over something can fuel greed, that desire for it to be mine and nobody else's. Jesus also shares a parable very similar to that when he talks about a man who was a farmer. He had um, a really good year in, in regards to his produce. And instead of realizing, my barn can only hold so much, let me be generous with the rest, he says, no, let me tear the old one down, let me build a new one so I can keep it all to myself, and I can live a long life of luxury knowing that I'm well taken care of. And in the parable, God responds to that person and says, you fool, don't you realize that this very night your life will be required of you? Now what's going to happen to all those riches that you, that you were storing for yourself? And, he, and Jesus ends with, and that is how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Okay? So what fuels greed? A thought process that it belongs to me. It's mine. Next question I have for you. So that was, what fuels greed? Now let me ask you, give you guys some time to think, what fuels generosity? So I want you to take a moment and write down as many things as you can think of. What fuels generosity? What fuels generosity? Again, here are just some of my thoughts to offer to you guys, and you may have come up with things that I didn't even think of, okay? So the first thing, what fuels generosity? Contentment. You see, when we are satisfied and at peace with what we have, anything extra, it's, it's easier to share it or to give it away. For me, you see the word up there, dayenu. It's a Jewish word, and I love this word. We use it a lot in my family. Dayenu comes, um, actually, where I learned from it, was from the Jewish Passover Seder, where they celebrate when uh, the God rescued Israel out of Egypt and led them to the Promised Land. And they have a song where they, they remember all of the things that God did for them. And that word Dayenu means, it is more than enough. So as they're singing the song, they're, they're saying, so God, if you had only demonstrated your glory through the plagues to show that you were mightier than Egypt, Dayenu. All right, so God, if you had only used the plagues to demonstrate your glory and had delivered us out of Egypt to no longer be slaves, Dainu. Okay, if you had only done the plagues to demonstrate your glory, rescued us from being slaves, and given us the treasures of Egypt, Dainu. Okay, if you had only done the plagues, rescued us from slavery, gave us the, the riches of Egypt, and personally led us through the wilderness, Dainu. You get the idea? Okay, if you had only delivered us from, you know, with the, pl you know, the plagues, and then you delivered us from slavery, and you gave us the riches of Egypt, and you personally led us to the wilderness, and you opened up the Red Sea to walk through, that's how, the, that's how it goes, is remembering that what God has given you is dainu. It's more than enough. And that contentment, that perspective of what God has given me, and anything extra I can share, I can give away, fuels generosity. The next thing is global or eternal thinking. Again, it all belongs to God, okay? So don't store up treasures on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. And Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
So why would we focus our attention on this life only? One of my favorite examples is actually from a pastor. His name is Francis Chan. This has probably been used so many times. But I, I always come back to this. He had a rope that stretched everywhere, like all over the stage. And he said, that rope represents eternity, time without end. And your life is right here at the beginning of the rope. We spend all of our time focused on when we were born to when we die, when there is all of eternity that we, that we can be thinking of. So having that global, eternal perspective. There's another song when I was a teenager that I listened to from Ray Bolt called Thank You for Giving to the Lord. And it's a song that is a picture of when this person gets to heaven. And he meets these individuals, some he knew, some he didn't know. And each person said, did you know that when you did this, it affected my life? Did you know that when you did this, I wouldn't have been here if you hadn't have done that? Whether that was teaching Sunday school, whether that was giving to a mission organization, what you did affected my life. And so the song was just saying, you don't know what your impact will be until the other side of this life, when you will find out your generosity, how that impacted people for eternity, not just for this life. So having that global, eternal thinking fuels generosity. And finally, stewardship. Again, it all belongs to God. John the Baptist said in John, in John chapter 3, when some of his disciples were saying, look, John, Jesus is getting more popular. His response was, guys, don't you know that no one can receive a single thing unless it is given to him from heaven? So think about that. Your life, your breath, was given to you by God. Your skills, your talents, were given to you by God. The job you have, wife, kids, money, house, cars, possessions, it is all God's. They're not yours, which makes us simply stewards of what rightly belongs to God. So how are we doing with that? Believer, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your whole self. Honor God with what he has entrusted to you. Next question I want you to think about. What can we be generous with? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to think. What can we be generous with? Now, with this one, I have a request to make, okay? Because as you guys have probably figured out, I don't, I don't have all of the answers, okay? So you guys probably came up with things already in the last two questions that I didn't think about. The same will be true of this one. But because I want us as a congregation to spur one another on towards generosity, if, I, if you have something that I haven't mentioned, after the service is over, turn to your neighbor. Be bold, be strong, you can do this, okay? Turn to your neighbor and share with them another idea how we can be generous. Because you never know if your idea might be the inspiration that someone needs this morning to grow in their generosity, okay? So a couple of things that, that I came up with, probably everyone's number one was money, okay? So money is the most common way that people can be generous. Unfortunately, usually that's because it's easy and it's comfortable, okay? 
So there are things that we can do. We can give to our church, to missionaries, organizations that meet needs like the Red Cross or Life Plan or even Operation Christmas Child, which is one of the ones that my family loves to, to participate with. Okay? But I want to back up and just say there's a standard in Scripture that is we give 10% of everything that God gives to us and we give it back to God. Because again, the mentality is, is that we're just stewards. So 100% of everything you have belongs to God. And from a heart of generosity, you take 10% and say, this wasn't mine anyway, and you give it back to him. But more important than a number of what to give is this. The most important element is to give in this way, found in 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Now again, that's between you and God. If you're a family unit, that's between husband and wife and God. No one else should be in the mix saying, this is the amount you should give. Because God's not up there saying, hmm, you didn't give me 10%. Okay? What he's focused on is your heart. So if you and God talk and it's 5% of what you own, he wants you to give back, then do it. If it's 10%, if it's 15%, if it's 25%, the key is, is not to give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, guys, this isn't a checklist. This is a heart thing. When we give, whatever the amount, whatever you and God have come to an agreement on, to do so cheerfully. Okay? So, the other thing that we can be generous with is time. Now, time actually is more of a precious commodity than money. You can always make more money. You cannot make more time. Every single one of us has the same amount of time. Now, I'm not saying your lifespan. What I'm saying is you have 24 hours today. I have 24 hours today. And we are all responsible for what we do with those 24 hours. Okay? So when you give of your time, you're giving up a precious commodity. Someone who talked to me in first service said, said that one of the things he loves to say about this is the, the greatest ability is your availability. And I love that. Okay? Because sometimes we just need to give up our time to help other people. So some examples of that would be, okay, you're, if you are good at a skill, okay, you are good with building houses, electrical, working on cars, doing yard work, those are things that you can donate your time or be generous with your time to help someone else out with. I know someone has helped me out with my house, and I am I'm, I'm a thinker, not a worker. I was blessed. <laughs> okay? So we can use our skills and be generous with them. One thing I am passionate about is discipling and mentoring, meeting with someone one-on-one. -on -one. It can be in a group setting, but I really love the one-on-one -on -one because we can be at a home, we can be at a restaurant, and we're just experiencing life together, okay? We're learning from one another and investing and becoming more like Jesus together. It's one of the things that Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations, okay? And teach them to make disciples. But that takes time and intentionality, okay? But it's a really good way to be generous, Another thing, whoops, let me go back. I'm getting ahead of myself. The last thing for time was volunteering. This one, there's no limits to, okay? You can volunteer at a hospital. You can teach a Sunday school, be a part of youth group, be a leader of another ministry, jail ministry, nursing home ministry. I mean, literally, the possibilities are limited only by your imagination. But again, time is a precious thing that you can be generous with. The next thing is your possessions. You can be generous with your possessions. Let me ask you this. How many of you would let someone borrow your car or your van or your truck? Some of you are like, yeah, is that a big deal? Some of you are like, <laughs> no, <laughs> will not, you will not touch my, van, my vehicle. Okay? What about your tow trailer? Would you allow someone to live in your home 
for a period of time. A personal story for, for this one, and again, it's not a, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It can be a little thing. When I was in college, I went to two different colleges. My second college was in Chicago. And as you might imagine, living in Chicago is rather expensive. And I was paying my own way through school. So I was able to get there, I was able to sign up for my classes, but I could not afford the textbooks. I remember sitting down and just crying because I did not know where the money was going to come from to pay for these books. And that night, someone knocked on my door and said, hey, you're new, I've already taken these classes, the same classes you've taken, I'm never gonna use these textbooks again. Do you want them? Yes. <laughs> that, that gentleman has no idea that by giving me his old used textbooks, that he has demonstrated God's provision in my life. Maybe he knew it, but it was a big deal because I was sobbing that I didn't know where it was gonna come from and God provided it. Okay, so it doesn't have to be big. It can be small. Each of you today were given $5. What could you do with $5 that would make a difference in someone's life? It doesn't have to be big. If you guys pool the money together, maybe you could be creative in something that was even larger. But again, the possibilities are limited only by our imagination, okay? And it doesn't have to be big. Next thing was food. I like food. Food, you can be generous with that by participating in a food chain. So if someone is sick or just had a baby, you can pass, you know, you can share food with each other. Hospitality, inviting someone over to your house, making your doors available, sharing a meal together, that is a way of being generous. If someone is homeless, okay, you could give them money or you could give them food. Okay? What do you need? I need food. Here you go. Random kindness to a neighbor. Bake them some rolls, some cookies. Make them a, make them a meal that they can put in the freezer. Just a random act of kindness we can be generous with. The next one is words. Now, this one I feel like we are the least generous with. I'm not speaking to individuals. I just mean like humanity as a whole. I think we are the least generous with our words. These can be spoken. These can be written. But I can't emphasize the power of saying the words, I love you. I have heard many stories. I've, ne I've never heard that from my father. I've never, I've never been told that from my parents. The impact of those three words could make or break a child. Also, just praising people. You did a good job. You're really skilled at that. Those are ways that we can be generous, and it doesn't cost us a thing. Just intentionality. Next thing that I thought of was energy. All of us have long days. All of us are busy. I get that. And it's very easy, especially the father of four young, rambunctious boys, to come home after a long day of work and say, I'm tired. I just want to sit down. But one of the things that, that I learned, I went to a, um, a men's conference, and they were speaking into men, into fathers, into husbands, and one of the things that this speaker said is, all right, you get up early, you work all day, you're investing into people out there, then you come home, and your kids want to be invested into, and your wife wants to be invested into, and you need rest, and yet there's also ministries that you need to participate in, and this and that, and guess what? By the end of the day, you're going to be tired. And I said, good, because I am. <laughs> But being generous with our energy, even when we're tired, makes a difference. It impacts people. So stepping outside of that comfort zone and saying, okay, I'm not just going to step to the sideline. And I don't want to, we need to rest. We need to rest. But sometimes we need to go. Okay? And I'm just speaking into the being generous with our energy. 
The last thing that I want to share is grace and mercy. Being generous with that. And I want to emphasize that just a little bit here, okay? So if you got your Bible, I want you to open it up to Matthew chapter 18. And there's a story that I would like to read to you because I think this really captures this concept of being generous with mercy and with grace. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21, it reads, Then Peter came to him, who is Jesus, and said, Lord, how many times could I forgive, or how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? I tell you, Jesus said, not as many as seven, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven will be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. When he, be, when he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents, that's a large number, okay, um, 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he had no way to pay it back, his master commanded that his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the slave fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that slave had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. But the slave went out and found, uh, and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, a smaller number, much smaller number. He grabbed him and started choking him and said, Pay me what you owe. At this, his fellow slave fell down and began begging him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back but he wasn't willing. On the contrary, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other slaves saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then, after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked slave! I forgave you all of that debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have also had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And his master got angry and handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. This parable reflects strongly God's relationship with us. Because you see, all of us owe God a debt that we cannot pay back. Sin when we sin, Scripture says the wages of sin is death. Death is not just physical death, but separation from God. We deserve hell because of sin, and we cannot undo that. No amount of good works can undo what we have done. So, God, seeing the predicament, showed us grace and mercy by saying, I created you. I love you. I want to live in eternity with you and for you to be with me. So I am going to do this. I am going to send my son down to earth to live a sinless life and to die on a cross because the requirement of sin to be taken care of is death. And so the blood of Jesus was required in order for us to have that right relationship with God. We have to come to God and say, God, I have sinned against you, and there is nothing I can do about that, but I submit myself to the Son of God and ask that you take his blood and wash away my sins. That is the generos generosity of our God. And the story doesn't end just with Jesus dying on a cross. It ends with him resurrecting. 
and sitting at the right hand of the Father. For you see, again, the wages of sin is death. Death is, sin's power over us is death. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he showed he had power over death, therefore he had power over sin. His resurrection, his death, his blood can forgive us of our sins, and he proved that through his resurrection. But we have to submit ourselves to that generosity. But as the story says, we have been forgiven such a debt. All of our sin is against God. So when one person sins against us, can we not share that same grace and mercy? Can we not forgive that person? There's not a person in this room who has not sinned, who does not sin, myself included. There is not a person outside of this room, outside of this church, who does not sin. And yet God's heart is grace and mercy. Greater than money, greater than time, being generous with grace and mercy is the most generous way because we reflect the heart of God when we demonstrate it. Another way just to show you generosity in action, if you flip just a couple of chapters over, chapter 25. We have verses 31 through 46. I'm actually going to stop at verse 40, but we're going to start Matthew 25, starting at verse 31. When the Son of Man, who is Jesus, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Then he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. And I was in prison, and you came and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Now, I want to clarify. We cannot earn our way to heaven. This is not a parable or a story that Jesus is talking about. That is, if you do good enough, I will, you get to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's your right. It's your, you know, your earnings. What he's saying is, is you have accepted the blood of the cross. You're free from sin. And so now, when you live this life of generosity, you are reflecting the heart of God himself. And when you do anything that is generous, you are not just being a good person. You are doing it as unto Jesus himself. And there is not a thing you do, especially if it's done in secret, that he doesn't see and he doesn't reward and he will not use his words to say, well done, that was beautiful. Okay? So generosity in action. We are serving Jesus and I hope that that motivates you and spurs you on towards generosity. So, a couple of questions that we'll, we'll run through here. These aren't for consideration, just wrapping up here. 
What are the results of generosity? Well, one of the results is that your perspective of God will change. So, for instance, you will understand him better. Hopefully, you've already experienced a better understanding of the generous nature of our God. But as you grow in generosity, you become more and more like God, and therefore, you understand him better because you start to think like he thinks. Your trust in him will also grow because as you move towards contentment, your trust will grow. As you let go of greed and control, your trust will grow. As you grow in generosity and depend on a faithful God who meets all of your needs, your trust will grow. And you will see how he works. Again, I I shared with you a story of how he worked in my life. But if you have that generous mindset, you'll see how he works in your life, yes. But you will also see how he works in those around you. A lot of people say, I don't see God. I don't see him working. But if you live that life of generosity, you have the same heart, you, you know what you're looking for and you see how it impacts those around you. Because the Spirit of God is moving. But are we walking with him? Okay. Your character will develop. More joy, again, not the same as happiness, I'm not promising happiness, but a generous life will provide more joy, which is a perspective, less worry, more contentment, less self-focus, more humility, which is the commodity of God. Because humility, my favorite definition of it is, humility is knowing who you are in light of who God is. I'll repeat that again. Humility is knowing who you are when you compare yourself in light of who God is. So when we recognize that all that we have is God, is God's, everything we have is God, that didn't work, that all that we have is God's, it belongs to him, and we are only stewards of it, you've just attained a level of humility. When we recognize that God is our provider and that we are dependent on him, you've just attained a level of humility. When we recognize God's generosity at the cross, and that leaves us with a debt that we cannot pay. Again, sin was a debt, but the debt I'm talking about is Jesus died for us. How are you going to repay that? You can't. Jesus died for us. The least that we can do is live for him. How can I be freed from greed and full of generosity? I have three things I want to leave you with as we close. Have you received the generosity of God? If you are in this room tonight and you do not know Jesus as your Savior or you've been wrestling with that in your mind, that's the first thing I want you to think about. Have I acknowledged just how generous God has been with me? He provided a way for my sins to be atoned for, a way for me to spend eternity with him. Have I accepted that or rejected that? If you have accepted and received the generosity of God, in our discussion today, what new way could you reflect the generosity of God? Or in what old way do you need to grow in your generosity? So, for example, in my relationship with my wife and my kids, I I know I, I should be generous with my words, but I need to be more generous with them because my wife feeds off of affirmation, okay? So telling her, hey, honey, I really enjoyed, 
or, you know, dinner was really good, I really enjoyed that, or thank you for taking care of our boys because you're staying at home with them and you are teaching them. Like, these are things that I need to work on personally. But what's yours? What's something that maybe you are being generous with, but maybe you can grow in that way, okay? So have you received the generosity of God? Is there a new way that's like, oh, I haven't tried that, I'd like to try that? Or is there an old way where you could say, yeah, I could be more generous in that way? Again, our goal is to be free from greed by being full of generosity because that is the Jesus way. Let me pray. Father, um, I know we've thrown a lot of ideas out and we've been hammering through, okay, what's the source of greed? What's the source of generosity? But Father, I pray that you would help us all to just ponder the words that have been spoken today and that you would um, uh, grow us, develop us, cultivate us into a church that is generous, an individual that is generous, not just with um, those that are around us in regards to like family, but if we're in school, to those that are at school, for those at work, those who are at work, may we just impact those around us through the little things, not the big things, of ways that we can be generous. Father, in, in being generous, may we reflect your heart, may we reflect your gospel, and may your kingdom, your might, may your glory be expanded in us, your servants, and tools that are in your hand. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.